is Unladylike. I'm Kristen, and it is time for another installment of Ask Unladylike, where we answer listener questions that Bing and ChatGPT, well, they probably could answer, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say it. This will be better advice than AI could give, okay? And maybe, maybe, oh God, maybe I should have an advice competition to see if ChatGPT could give better advice. But no, we can't let the robots win. We can't let the robots win. And that is why for this episode, I have called in not one, but two guests to lend their expertise. But first... I want to share a little story, a lovely Nora Ephron rom-com-esque story in response to our last Ask Unladylike Better Off Single. Vicky wrote, I just listened to the Better Off Single podcast and the story of the woman who married her rebound. I also don't think rebounds work for the most part, but I want to share the story of my parents. My mom was married when she met my dad at a friend's party. My dad said to their mutual friend, let me know if she ever gets divorced. I don't know why I gave him a mid-Atlantic accent, but okay. A week or so later, my mom tells the mutual friend that she is getting divorced, not because she met my dad, but because her marriage wasn't working. My parents married six months after meeting and just celebrated their 48th wedding anniversary. I asked my mom one time about this because if it had been my friend, I probably would have cautioned her about moving on so quickly after her first marriage ended. My mom's response, I had kissed a lot of frogs and met my prince. So sometimes rebounds do work. Vicky, we love to hear it. Mazel to your parents. And you hear that, friends? Sometimes rebounds do work. They do. And that's the thing about relationships, right? Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. And a relationship, though, that has worked to, I know to my benefit as a podcast listener, are today's guests, Kristen Meinzer and Jolenta Greenberg. You know them from their podcast, By the Book. And with our collective experience and know-how, I am confident that we have what it takes to answer our three advice questions on deck, one is about a father-in-law who, mm, let's just say he's having a tough time with generational and cultural change. Another one from an unlady who is feeling pressure to change up her appearance at work. And finally, the titular question of this episode from a listener who's concerned about her resting bitch voice. So unladies, let's get into it. Could y'all introduce yourselves and just share who you are, what you do, and why? I'm Jolenta Greenberg, along with my dear friend, Kristen Meinzer, who you'll hear from shortly. I (laughs) make a podcast called How to Be Fine, and we 
make it because we like exploring the world of self-help and wellness uh, with a critical eye and dissecting whether or not advice is is good for you or just advice to sell a product. <laughs> yes. So um, exactly what Jolenta just said. We are two podcast besties. We've been podcasting together for many, many years. We hosted By the Book, which is probably the show we're best known for for many years, where we lived by the rules of self-help books and recorded ourselves so people could hear how these books actually affected our lives and our marriages. And now we have moved on to our new show, How to Be Fine. And on this show, we go even broader beyond self-help books. We talk about cults. We talk about influencers. We talk about wellness trends. We talk about dangerous diets. We talk about all sorts of things that go well beyond self-help books. And then bonus, we also offer advice to people who seek it out. And that's one of the reasons we're so excited to be with you today, Kristen, because we're offering some advice along with you today. Yes, yes. And I, before we dive into our letters from Unladylike listeners, I am curious what kinds of advice requests y'all tend to get from listeners. Are there any kind of recurrent themes or conundrums that tend to come up over and over again? Definitely. Well, we always get a lot of sort of self-helpy related questions, questions about wellness trends and how to apply them to individual lives. And also we, we get a lot of questions about people, I think, feeling behind in life. I feel like that's mm. a common theme we bump up against a lot, not not meeting like certain milestones that we feel are prescribed by like family, society, the world at large. Yeah. And those milestones can be anything from I'm 40 and unmarried to I'm not the uh, dress size I think I should be to, you know, uh, I don't own a house yet. I, I mean, I think our society is set up around the idea that we're never meeting expectations so that we buy more things, right? So that we feel worse about ourselves. And so many of those expectations uh, bring people to self-help and they bring people to us with their questions. So how are y'all feeling? Are y'all ready to dive into some advice? Oh, so, so excited. Ready. Okay, here we go. All right, so for our first question, it is a bit of a long one, but uh, there were just, I went back through and there are just details that cannot be spared. So <laughs> Love buckle it. up for this one. It is layered. And to anonymize our letter writers today, um, could y'all just pick, either of you just like pick a name for this first letter writer? Mm, uh, how about uh, Daria? She was a cartoon Daria. character I once liked. Uh. Yeah. Okay, Daria. All right, here we go. Perfect. So the subject line of Daria's email was how to tell your father-in-law that he isn't a pervert, but he's acting pervy. Oof. So just. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's yeah. a zinger. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Says so, so here much. We go. <laughs> I know. I know. Um, Daria writes, I'm still working out how to frame this because I'm not exactly sure what the main issue is, but I'll go ahead and tell the story. In part, I'm also writing because my therapist says that writing things out helps process issues instead of just floating around in my anxiety brain. 
My sister-in-law just had a baby, and my father-in-law has not been able to see her too often because of the pandemic. Upon seeing her, he said, "Hi, daughter. How beautiful you look! You look so great, so skinny." She told him she didn't want him to comment on her physical appearance, and he was kind of surprised, but left it at that. The next time they saw each other, he had no idea how to greet her. Instead, he said, "Hi, daughter." Pause. Your eyes. Pause. Uh, motion in for a hug. She puts in parentheses. He then stood frozen, not knowing what to say. I mentioned to my husband that his dad has always commented on my physical appearance as well whenever he greets me, usually saying "Hi, gorgeous," "Hi, beautiful," etc. Never commenting on my weight, but I never really thought twice about it. I told him that I did think it was weird that his dad would lean in to give me a kiss on the cheek, but he would be uncomfortably close to my mouth. I thought this was the end of the story, but here we are a few weeks later having dinner with my in-laws when my father-in-law brings up that he's unsure how to approach his daughter anymore. My husband immediately shuts him down, telling him to conform to the new world order and to just stop commenting on any physical appearance of the women in his life. My father-in-law sits confused at the hostility, since this is the first time he's brought this topic up with us. My husband continues to tell him that he needs to not use the word "beautiful" and not comment on his wife or anyone else. My father-in-law gets defensive and says that it comes from a good place, that he's trying to express his love, that he's not ogling anyone. My husband exclaims, "He's just going to need to change his behavior." My husband then erupts to tell him that he also doesn't need to kiss his wife, that it is not necessary. He can kiss his son or his friends, but not his wife. Meanwhile, the women at the table, my mother-in-law and I, we are sitting quietly, trying to get in a word with no avail, staring at each other, trying to figure out how we even got here. The discussion ends with my father-in-law abruptly leaving, and no word since. It's been days. For some background. I am part of the fortunate few who gets along well with my in-laws and will not hesitate to express my feelings. I'm not an overly nice person, but I'm respectful. I speak my mind, and I think they appreciate the honesty. Originally, they called me sassy or spicy, but since our years together, I explained that it's not okay to call a Latina woman spicy solely for、oh. speaking up and having an opinion. I've also explained to them that I am not offended for them doing so for years, but that I am learning how to communicate my boundaries too. After all of this, I am left confused because one, I do not know how to approach my father-in-law the next time I see him. Two, I wasn't even the one who brought up this conversation, yet it is about me. Three, I am both mad at and proud of my husband for trying to bring up a sticky subject with his father. Yet I don't agree with how he went about it, or if he truly understood the point. Four, <laughs> I can speak for myself, so I don't need my husband to communicate my feelings. Five, via my mother-in-law, we heard that my father-in-law thinks he is seen as a pervert. Yet no one said anything like that. <laughs> It's not my job to protect men's fragile ego. 
and it's not fair to hold the burden of educating them. Despite this, I want them to learn. And if not me, or our daughter, or sister, wife, then who will teach them of their indiscretions? I love this letter so much. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I it love it. And I, I feel like a lot of people listening right now can relate to this because yeah. they have somebody who was brought up perhaps in a generation where the greatest thing you could do was compliment a woman on what she looked like. Mm. A woman's greatest mm-hmm, value mm-hmm. was her appearance. And to compliment her on that is actually uh, the generous thing to do. And, right. you know, we don't live in that era anymore, but it, in another era, that really was the be-all, end-all. There is nothing better you could have said to my Nana than to say she was beautiful. We didn't need to say she was smart. We didn't need to say that she was fun. We needed to say she was beautiful, and that's all she wanted to hear. And that that's, you know, that's a sign of those times. And every every time changes, right? What, what's acceptable now is different now than what was acceptable 5, 10, 50 years ago, right? So right. Um, I, I want to say that. I don't want to dominate all of this, though, but I do want to say I think a lot of us can relate to that. And um, Jolent, I want you to jump in with initial response, though, too. Oh, my so gosh. I have so <laughs> many thoughts. Like, my first instinct is, like, part of me wants to tell Daria, uh, like, the next time you see your father-in-law, just give him, like, a nice kiss on the cheek too close to his mouth and be like, you're looking beautiful, so skinny. Like, as a joke, maybe just, like, a nice icebreaker. I do feel like violating the boundaries that like you want set isn't the best way to like go about things, but it would be funny. <laughs> um, but like in teaching children, I have found like the easiest way to sort of work with with people sort of hung up on an issue is to try and like redirect it. You may not ever be able to get through to them on that issue fully. They may not fully ever understand where you're coming from because their context is just so different because they come they came up in a culture where that was like the nicest thing to say um and i have found just trying to trying to get people who feel uncomfortable to to instead of making statements inquire about the person they're with and just like Mm. making a suggestion of like hey if you're worried about offending people the easiest way to not do it is to be like how are you doing what's going on with you figure out where they're at and then you can usually gauge much easier like what would offend them or not yeah I I want to also say something I I think that's good advice Jolenta um to ask about how people are rather than ask what they look like (laughs) <laughs> we don't need to focus on yeah, that. Like make statements about that. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, to also maybe um, talk about how do you greet men usually? And, um, you know, ooh, what would you do ooh. to your yeah. bro Very if you ran into to, your pastor in the street um, who may be a man? Um, I know some pastors are women, but let's be real. A lot of When you religious... run into your son-in-law, do you kiss him yeah. the same way? Um, like... Yeah. But, um, you know, a, a lot of the men you run into... Uh, you know, you probably greet in a different way. How would you greet those men? And uh, maybe try doing that with your daughter, with your daughter-in-law, with other women. Um, But another thing I want to say here is I really am happy that your husband spoke up. And here's why. Not because he's a man and because you're a woman, but because this is his father and it's his job Mm -hmm. to speak up. Mm -hmm. This isn't about him saying, oh, you're a woman. You can't speak up for yourself. It's not him being a white knight here. 
He's actually doing the job of somebody who is the relation of the person who's behaving in a way that's questionable. That is his job. And so, for example, in my family, if uh, one of my family members was doing something that made my husband uncomfortable, it's not my husband's job to broach the conversation with my relatives. It's mine. So what your husband did, I would encourage you to reframe that in your mind. He's not seeing you as incapable of standing up for yourself. He's doing what is appropriate based on who's related to whom here. So thank you, husband. And maybe he didn't do it in the best way. So maybe the best place to start is actually to start with your husband and say, I so appreciate you speaking up. These are things that maybe we can do if we're going to talk to your dad again, that might work better with him. Uh, But I really appreciate you being on the right side of things here. I do appreciate you being the ambassador to your family. I really appreciate all of that because it is what a lot of people won't do, but they should do. If it's your family member misbehaving, talk to that family member. So I appreciate that you did that. Maybe there's another way we can sit down and talk with him about it. Or I can talk to your dad in a different way. And that way, everybody's on the same page. It's not like you're whispering behind your husband's back like, oh, father-in-law, I'm sorry. My husband was really overreacting. Like, no one's whispering behind anyone's back here. Everyone can be on the same page and talk to each other about, like, how can we do this better? Everyone is coming from the best place they think they're coming from. Father-in-law thinks he's giving the best kind of compliment. Son is giving some advice and some outrage that he thinks is necessary. Everyone's doing the best they can here. Let's just find a better way to do the best we can here. Yeah, and I think that as far as the kind of next conversations and the next time they see them, my instinct is like, Daria, maybe maybe see if your husband wants to have like a one-on-one with your dad. Like maybe he can go mm-hmm. over and address the, you know, sort of the their this outburst at the table where things kind of went sideways and kind of mend that whatever hurt might have happened in the moment there. And also, I mean, speaking from kind of personal experience of times that I have Oh my God. I mean, I've definitely had my moments of outrage, similar outrage with my own boomer father um, at dinner tables, uh, on the couch, um, in cars, (laughs) everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Really. Um, And there's, there is this instinct like when I have hurt his feelings before and he's upset by it. The instinct, like, I've had to learn a little bit and also in working in therapy of, like, it's okay if he's uncomfortable for a while. It is okay if this man is upset and feels, like, discomfort, right? Like, not to say that his feelings are invalid, but, um, but I don't know that everyone has to drop everything just to make sure that he feels okay. Hey, like maybe let him <laughs> think about it for a little bit too. Yeah, it is yeah. an uncomfortable topic. <laughs> it it is. Yeah. Um, but Kristen, you did get to something there that I also think is important that we just put a finer point on. Um, I'm not sure if you guys have heard the saying: uh, "Praise publicly, scold privately." Scolding somebody mm-hmm. in front of the whole dinner table is painful for any of us. Nobody wants to be chastised in front of a whole group of people, and so. You know, there are some levels of discomfort here that are 
understandably uncomfortable for anyone. And there are some levels of discomfort here that are because he knows that he needs to change and doesn't quite understand how to do it. So there's two different things going on here. So um, I, I would apologize for the former and then, you know, maybe be okay with the latter. Maybe he's going to be a little bit uncomfortable with the latter. Yeah, especially in these kinds of in the moment, everyday situations where it's like life gets messy and it's going to kind of things are going to spill over at some right. point, probably. It's like an ally is an ally sometimes, even if that ally is also maybe laying down some of your own personal boundaries for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I will say, Daria, this family is lucky to have you. Yeah, you know, for real. You're working on yourself. You're asking the important questions. And uh And you're not I have a feeling to judge or like cut people off or anything. And like you're you seem very giving and caring. So Yeah. The fact that you all get along so well, that already puts you head and shoulders above most families. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and before we start unpacking our own relationships with right. our Right, wait, before we get into my family. <laughs> We'll send her to a break. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So for question number two, let's pop into the workplace, shall we? Um, I am curious, before we get into the question, have either of you ever felt pressured or even required to doll up at work? Doll up is a very imprecise way to put it. Just kind of like, you know, more going to more effort to do like hair, makeup, clothes, outfits. Oh, I've been sent home from work for not dressing appropriately. And I also got turned down for a TV job because they said I wasn't pretty enough to be on TV. Um, I've had things like that happen. Does that count? I don't know if that's the same thing. I mean, I, I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> One time, I was a, uh, I was a, uh, like a reset. I was a front desk worker slash box office worker at a like prominent enough off Broadway theater company, and just got like in a staff meeting for all the desk and box office workers. Like, remember, you guys are the face of the theater company when people come. So, like, please, no more pajamas and like maybe a <laughs> stitch of makeup. <laughs> I mean, maybe the no pajamas I can get. I was going to say that also makes sense. Like, yeah, you might be behind a desk and like through glass, but like sometimes people can tell. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> at least, at least not the pajama top, you know. Um, right, right. Bottoms go wild. <laughs> Whatever you want. May I have another fake name for our next unlady? Oh, I feel like Kristen's better at this. I, can I Do name the one? next person Francis to name it after Jolenta's dog, Frank? Yes. Oh, that's beautiful. Perfect. Yeah, I, I love Frank so much. And yeah, our, our next letter writer, your name is Francis. Francis, perfect. Okay, Francis writes, My dilemma is this. I hardly ever wear makeup, but recently got promoted at work and now feel pressure. Not sure if it's just internal pressure or nonverbal cues from others, but I feel pressure to wear makeup to look more, and she puts this in quotes, professional. As the most upper level ladies in my company are always done up to the hilt, including high heels, also something I never wear. I'm having a battle with myself as I want to look professional, but don't think I should have to wear makeup or heels to achieve this as my male counterparts do not. Any advice or insight you can give would be appreciated. So Francis has a promotion. Right. And it's feeling like she needs to step up her her looks game. I feel like I've seen a lot of friends dealing with this. Um, as we grow older and as everyone around them realize how amazing they are and how many promotions they deserve. Um, and a lot of them, you know, maybe in their younger years would have identified as like tomboy or like not dressing as stereotypically like super femme. And it's been a weird negotiation because there is some sort of like level of dress and made upness that is like almost inherently expected, even if no one says it, because enough of the people around you at your company and at the other companies you're dealing with are all sort of conforming to this. And my first tip is just um, a button down shirt, even if it's oversized, like always looks sharp and you can pair it with some like nice sneakers and it always looks like relatively professional and also lots of black stuff always looks professional (laughs) um like your your comfy pants in black look a lot more professional than like in you know heather gray at least mine do um and Also, like, don't be afraid of making not wearing makeup and not wearing high heels like your look like you can be sort of bold with it. You can get some like, you know, flashier non heels like nice sneakers or whatever you're into um, and just make that your look the way some women who are executives make like a strong red lip their look. I am now uh, imagining Francis like bulldozing into the office in a, a sharp, you know, button down and those LA LA light up LA gear oh, shoes. Y'all <laughs> light up when you walk. <laughs> really make it a statement. Yes, I want like yeah. lightning coming from those sneakers. Yeah, um, I second everything Jolenta's saying, and also just want to add at one point um, on by the book, Jolenta and I lived by a book called The Curated Closet, and some of the steps in there might be really useful for you, Francis. You know, look in 
media, in pop culture, in catalogs, online, what looks really jump out at you? What, who, which celebrity, which movie star, uh, which advertisement is saying to you like, oh, I would wear that. I would wear that. And the ones that look like they're ready for the office, I'm not talking about, you know, stained sweatpants. I'm talking about like, oh, like I, I like carpet this. looks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, what are the looks that look like I would feel comfortable in, in these clothes? And you don't have to buy a million items. It can just be a small capsule wardrobe of, you know, five pairs of trousers or three skirts and four tops and four sweaters. It doesn't have to be, you know, 500 items here. And so I, I would say keep it simple and whatever speaks to you and then just own that look like Joent is saying. And as for the makeup, great skincare is the best you know, is the best look out there. So, all you know, the people if wearing you've... makeup are quietly being jealous, not quietly jealous. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I mean, just as long as you're taking great care of your skin, if it's clean, if it's moisturized, uh, if you're wearing your sunscreen, I don't care what race you are, uh, sunscreen, very important. I don't care what color your skin is. People with any skin color, you know, can get sun damage. So put on some sunscreen also. And if you're taking great care of your skin and you're wearing clothes that are polished and that you're comfortable in, that's enough. That There's nothing unprofessional about that. Think, for example, about Ellen DeGeneres. You know, she has to wear stage makeup because of TV, but that look does not scream, I have a lot of makeup on. It really doesn't. And her outfit Still looks professional, even though, as Jolenta was pointing out earlier, the sneakers look. There's lots of ways to look professional that don't have to be high heels. I have never worn high heels. I was going to say, Kristen ever. is a perfect example. You can get yeah, a fun, am... fun loafer. You can get a fun flat sandal. Yeah. Like, yeah. never. And... you never have to wear heels like if you don't want to. They hurt. Yeah, I, I wear office sneakers for the most part. I wear office sneakers with mini skirts. I wear office sneakers with dresses. And when I say office sneakers, I mean like I'm not wearing like my mom's white aerobic shoes that she used to wear to the gym. I'm wearing like, you know, <laughs> they, they look good with my outfit. And to me, they look like, you know, office shoes, even though they're sneakers. Yeah, I feel like Francis is going to, Francis would almost probably attract more sort of sideways looks at her, how she's dressed, if suddenly she came to work in a way that she, like, never, if she, like, comes in, <laughs> like, a like a post-makeover montage and like high in heels an executive and costume. a full face. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's going to feel uncomfortable, and you are going to feel like you are wearing a costume, and you... I would imagine would probably not feel like your best self in that case. So, Francis, you got the promotion too. So clearly, you looked you know, fine enough to get the promotion. So yeah. exactly. And I think, like going back to Jolenta, what you were saying, like I think there's so much there's power in just em- embracing your looks, whether that is like very loud, outrageous makeup that would be considered unprofessional for being like too much or wearing not a stitch of makeup at all. You know, it's all about like the embodiment and, you know, confidence that that you are going to walk into that office with, Francis. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we will be back with our third and final question.
Okay, friends, our final question centers on something that I know all of us have experience with, and that is dealing with the sound of our own voices. So here we go. Um, <laughs> who would like to pick our last assumed name? Can we name this person Connie after your last name, Kristen? Oh, my gosh. Of course. Oh, the it. first Connie who popped in my head was Connie Britton. Oh. Me, too. Oh, Connie That's Chung is my queen. Hair. I love my Connie oh, Chung. Oh, also another. My, all Connie. the Connies. Yeah. But then yeah. you, you're the next, you're the next great Connie. Kristen no Connie. one has ever shortened Conger to Connie. Ah, I love it. It begins today. Okay. <laughs> Started a Connie revolution. <laughs> all right. So Connie writes, all my life, I've been told to smile, not because it makes me look prettier, but because it makes my face look less sarcastic and less bitchy. Yes, I have the dreaded bitch face. And more so, my face has a voice to match it, a sarcastic voice. I really started noticing this when I started in the workforce as a teenager when supervisors and managers kept telling me I needed to sound and look friendlier. I did slash still do work in customer service, and I did smile to seem friendlier and raise my voice to sound more polite. But in all my jobs, none of this has ever been required of my male coworkers. Of course not, Connie. Of course yeah. not. <laughs> I dropped my fake smile years ago, but my retail voice is ingrained. It's automatic. I can be shooting the shit in my regular voice, but the second I'm helping a customer, my retail voice comes out. I reserve my regular voice for when I have to be stern with a, with a customer. Do other women deal with this? And how do other women say, this is just my face slash voice? And how do I stop apologizing to new people for just having a bitch slash sarcastic <laughs> face slash voice? <laughs> oh, Connie, I think we can all relate to this. One time I was in a commercial class because in, in another life I, I was going to be an actor and we were reading sides for Snapple and uh, my teacher was like, honestly, it was great. Very natural for you. But you don't want the viewer to like think you're a fucking loser if you don't drink Snapple. <laughs> like you just seemed like kind of aggressive and like shaming. And I'm like, oh fuck. And that's me being like natural and in the moment. So yeah, I think we can all relate. And sometimes it's hard because sometimes I think having a customer service voice like isn't that bad. Like we all have to do it. And I do think men have a version of it. Like I used to work at a place where we answered phones a lot and I definitely would hear a, a bit sort of softer, uh, like almost breathier tone, not like super breathy, like, you know phone sex hotline but like you know <laughs> a bit gentler um but it's rarely prescribed the way it is to women and the way it was like to you connie throughout your career so it's hard because it's like sometimes it gets the job done and you just want to like make it quick and easy and appeal to like people's ears and what they want to hear but also like you shouldn't have to feel fake all the time at your job i i would jump in though and say it's okay to do a little bit of code switching in different environments. I think we all do it. We all do code switching like how do I talk when I'm around my family versus how do I talk when I'm sitting at home on the couch with my husband versus how do I talk when I am visiting somebody's office. And 
it's okay to switch tones sometimes. And, and you know, if you have now naturally just gotten to the point where when you're doing customer service, you use your customer service voice and that's what's natural for you, that's fine. You don't have to change that. You can totally, if that's what you do now, if that's what you've trained yourself to do, that's totally fine. Um, you don't you don't have to change it back. Don't go through all of these hoops to try and change this thing that is now part of your MO. Um, go ahead. Just own it. Like, yeah, that's my work voice. That's the way it is. Just like when I was a professor back in the day a million lifetimes ago, like I had my professor voice and that's fine. It doesn't mean I was less Kristen Meinzer. It just meant I'm at work right now. I'm in front of a class and that's totally fine. Right. So I, I would say it's okay to own that. Um, and yeah, I would also though empathize a bit because I do think that women, we do get policed a lot for a lot of things, um, whether it's how we look or how we sound. And I'm on the opposite end of things where I've definitely had bosses um, talk to me, one in particular who said she just didn't trust that I took things seriously enough. Nothing seemed like pressing or urgent enough. And why? It's because I have resting jolly face. I don't have resting bitch face. <laughs> she's like too happy. And she's people will be like, we need this now. And she'll be like, okie doke. And we're like, why Don't are you, you see the urgency of this? Yeah. yeah, and you're like, and it's like, I guess she's running, so like she gets it, just like. Yeah, and and because that breezy, jolly, you know, thing that I exude and that I have on my face, you know, looks so relaxed. Some people haven't even noticed. It's like, oh, Kristen's actually producing six podcasts today, while her coworker, who looks like he is stressed out of his fucking mind, does one podcast a week that he's producing. This is like a real example from life where it's like my boss just kept putting more and more work on me, and it's like because oh, this guy just, acts like, anxious all the time, stressed. and I'm yeah. acting like okay. <laughs> so yeah, we can all get judged for what our faces are saying and what right. our um, voices are saying. The grass yeah. isn't greener. <laughs> on the jolly side of, of the coin. <laughs> and I think like outside of work though, if Connie is maybe hanging out with people or meeting new people and someone says like, oh, you, you know, you have a resting bitch voice. I don't know <laughs> what might be a good response. I would just say, yeah, it matches my resting bitch face and heart. <laughs> I'd say, Perfect. yeah, you just got to own it. And like, it's hard. I think also something Connie is speaking to is almost like the resentment of the customer service voice of like it gets the job done, but also you feel like forced into it. And it's it's just sort of a balancing act of like sort of letting yourself off the hook because like you're getting the job done in in the least in the most frictionless way possible, most likely. So like you don't need to beat yourself up just because it's also something that like, you know, someone sexist like told you to do. Yeah. Yeah, I, I will say that after over a decade podcasting, I have fully accepted that a lot of times if you are a woman who has a voice and that voice is heard by others, at some point, someone is going to <laughs> criticize that voice. Oh, yeah. And, right. you know, you won't. You, you can't win if you're a woman with a voice. Yeah. And like, I don't know if worst. you've gotten this. I don't know if you've gotten this. Like, we've gotten like too much vocal fry, too much Minnesota oh, yeah. accent. And like, on the flip side, also like too nice to each other, too gushy, where it's like you literally can't win with a woman's voice. Like, yeah. 
no matter yes. what. Kristen talks like a baby to her husband. Kristen talks like a grandma from the Midwest. Jolenta talks like a valley girl. It's like, whatever. Yes, yes. Those are all statements about how we speak. <laughs> like, yes. we're, not we're just women talking. It. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Kristen and Jolenta, thank you so much for helping me and our unladies with these queries. Um, before we go, though, can you tell folks where to listen to How to Be Fine and our new episodes launching now? New episodes of How to Be Fine are out now. Uh, first episode dropped uh, February 23rd, right? Was that is that the right? Or yes, is it that's right. February 23rd. So go listen wherever you get your podcast. Just search How to Be Fine. And we're at How to Be Fine Pod on Instagram and Twitter as well. Unladies, thank you so much for sending in your questions and advice requests. And please, if you have any advice to add to what we've been talking about today, by all means, hello at unladylike.co is where you can send that. You can also DM me on Instagram at unladylikemedia. You can also follow unladylike on Twitter and TikTok at unladylikemedia. And if you appreciate Unladylike and want to support its podcasting future, please consider becoming an Unladylike patron. Head to patreon.com slash unladylikemedia. And for $5 a month, you get ad-free bonus episodes every single week, uncut interviews with some of our featured guests, and all of the gratitude in my heart. Patreon com slash unladylike media unladylike is a starburns audio production executive produced hosted and written by me Kristen conger aristotle acevedo is our senior producer and engineer Catherine caligori is our associate producer music is by flamingo shadow amit may cohen and sarah tudson until next week what is the most unladylike thing about you oh I remember my answer last time we were on the show. Um, mm-hmm. And my answer last time was there was nothing unladylike about me because a lady can do whatever the fuck she wants and I do it. So <laughs> right, right, right. That's, what, that's what I said last time. And I don't know if I should give the same answer this time or if I should shake it up. I, I, I mean, would I it mean, be boring it to really give the same answer? answer. <laughs> it's good. I feel like, yeah, like... Don't fix what's not broken. Yeah. <laughs> what I don't remember you, what I said last time. I don't want to like repeat it. I feel like I said I peed in the shower. <laughs> if you did, I don't remember that. I'm very pro peeing in the shower. Maybe Everyone I didn't, do it. but I love, I'm, a, I'm all for peeing in the shower. And it's just like, it's my time to shine. It's my time to stand and pee. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's like we're here it's you know water is going down a drain anyway why waste a flush plus like it's kind of freeing yeah and you can wash that area right afterward right you're not just exactly. using paper you're actually washing yourself so mm-hmm. i'm sorry if that's a repeat but Kristen no please remember it so if it is a repeat <laughs> don't apologize because that's fantastic Kristen, yours is fantastic. Y'all are fantastic. Stop. You're fantastic. You're fantastic. And you know who else is fantastic? (laughs) Daria. 
Daria, Francis, and Connie, who all wrote in. We love them, too. Yes, yes. Daria, Francis, and Connie. What a trio. Starbanks Audio, a podcast network.